All right, everybody, welcome to Middle Tech's Friday update on this beautiful Friday morning. Uh, we're doing something a little bit different this Friday, and we are going to be recording this one with a legit microphone so that our listeners can go and actually see this on our podcast feed as well. Um, so we've gotten a lot of good feedback on these Friday updates, so we wanted to make sure that they are as accessible as possible uh, to anybody that wants to listen to them after the fact. So we're going to be putting it uh, up on our normal podcast feed as well. So if you guys missed this one, uh, feel free to go and check us out on the Middle Tech podcast feed also. And let me get Nate and Evan in here. Yo. Yo, yo. What up, Nate? What's up? How you doing? Pretty good. All right. I feel All so right. official with this mic in front of me. I feel like it's like a sports commentating <laughs> or something. Wait, before we get started, I got to tell uh, my tech dad joke. Yes, I'm glad it. you prepped one. I forgot it last week. All right. So why? Wait, hold on. I forgot it already. <laughs> oh, no. Um, why did the computer have airbags? Why did the computer? In case it crashed. <laughs> oh, that should have been obvious. <laughs> oh, that was a bad one. That was a really bad one. That uh, that should have been way too obvious. I don't know how I didn't get that. Oh man, how are you guys doing on this beautiful Friday morning? We got some fall weather finally in Lexington. Yesterday was Love it. the Love it too. Of fall same weather. up here. Yeah, and it looks like it we got another yesterday. one today. We got a beautiful day. It's going to be like high of seventy. We got it's like fifty five right now. It's awesome. Wow. Gets me ready. I thrive in the fall time, just like a basic white girl. Gets me ready for uh, Keeneland. Keeneland football. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Well, let's dive on in here. We've got some good stories to go through. Um, just to run through them real quick, we've got uh, Europe is mandating universal chargers, which is going to affect a couple of different American companies. Uh, Twitter, some updates around NFTs and Bitcoin and the way uh, they use those features. And then we've got Apple is working on mental health modeling or monitoring using iPhone data. So some good stuff. Um, let's go ahead and kick it off with Europe mandating universal chargers. So at the surface, yeah. this seems like a great thing. It's a little minor annoyance. You've got all these different chargers. It would just wouldn't it be so great if we could just have one one charger that we used across all of our devices. Uh, so Nate, do you want to give us a little bit of an overview on what's going on here and and why this is significant? Yeah. So the. European Union submitted a bill. It hasn't been signed or passed into law yet, um, but it's a bill that's being proposed um, that would standardize charging ports for, let me see here, smartphones, tablets, um, portable speakers, headphones, some handheld video game consoles, cameras. They want to standardize all of those charging ports to USB-C, which if you have a Mac um, made in the last few years, that's USB-C that that uses. It is becoming kind of a standard. A lot of Android phones have it, but the iPhones still, of course, use that um, the lightning plug and then, you know, headphones and cameras can all over the place is what they use. It is an annoyance and you have to get multiple chargers and all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of what they're focusing on is that e-waste aspect of it. The fact that everybody has so many chargers and then you get a new thing and your charger doesn't work anymore and you throw it away. It leads to a lot of waste that, you know, just doesn't break down at all and is bad for the environment. So that's kind of how they're they're justifying this. But it definitely also is a consumer advocacy thing, too. It would just be nice to have one thing that you can charge everything with. Yeah, I hope this doesn't like set a precedent. You know, they could start with chargers and then move their way throughout the other parts of the device. You know, that that could be a worry. Uh, but e-waste is a big problem. I did a I did a project on mm -hmm. e-waste and 
I don't know if it was high school. I think it was high school, um, maybe freshman year of college. But it's a big problem because what they end up doing is all of our e-waste, which is you know electronics, computers, phones, wires, all of that just gets shipped over to emerging markets and developing countries that are already poor. And then they just dumped on their coastlines and then they get paid very little to go through there and scrap it. So we're really just like destroying the property of of you know, impoverished regions of the United States with our, you know, privilege mm-hmm. and our technology. So it is a big problem that needs to be addressed somehow. Um, but, you know, this is just kind of a, a unique and first uh, take on how to do it as a as a whole country or a whole region of the, of the world as far as the uh, European Union goes. Um, but, you know, I don't know how I feel about it yet. I mean, I would lean that I don't uh, think it's a great idea. You know, I think you got to leave these businesses to do what they want and leave it up to them on how to solve the problem. If they don't come up with anything and it becomes uh, continues to be a problem, then, then step in. Maybe we're at that point. Um, but you know, we'll see if it passes or not. Yeah. I think we are at that point. Yeah. I think that if they were going to do anything about it, it should have been done by now. I mean, the, you know, just thinking of Apple as an example, they've had how many different iterations of the iPhone to get everything on the same page. And we haven't yet. Um, you know, yeah, I think this is, yeah, I, I'm big on the e-waste thing and reducing that. It does seem like it at the surface level, just kind of like a minor annoyance aside from the e-waste thing. So I'm, I'd be happy that that would get fixed. But I agree with you guys, like setting a precedent where governments can come in and mandate how hardware is built seems like a bad precedent. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't like always buying in and going down the slippery slope rabbit hole. So at the surface level, uh, I think I'm okay with it. The thing I don't like is that uh, a foreign country is essentially dictating how an American company builds its hardware. Uh, that kind of worries me. That kind of, yeah, that kind of scares me. I just don't like that precedent that that would set. Or um, I guess the the picture that that would paint for other countries that are working with uh, American companies really closely like Apple. So is, yeah. is wireless charging the solution? I mean, probably. I, that's what I was thinking last night when I was looking at some of the, some of these notes and at the news. Um Eventually, yes, but like right now, I can't. It's it's hard to wirelessly charge my phone and like lay down and, and scroll on my bed or something. Like you want to have that cord tethered to your phone. <laughs> wow. First world wow. problems. Your privilege just lay there and, <laughs> and We're talking about e waste on the shores of impoverished nations, and you you can't scroll in bed. You're gonna That's, be the guy that has the whole world has wireless charging, and Logan Jones is laying in bed charging his phone because it's almost dead and he needs it. Unbelievable. Uh, that is the most spoiled first world problem thing that's ever come out of yeah. my mouth. Yes, I think I think wireless charging will continue to get better, and you can probably get a magnetized wireless charger to stick on the back of your phone so that you you can lay in bed and not be deprived of your Twitter feed. Um, but yeah, yeah, you can get the Apple charger that you charge during the day, and then you just put it on the back of your phone. But yeah, I was I was surprised that the standard they're going with is USB C when um, you know wireless charging is becoming so popular. Maybe if it has wireless charging, you don't need the USB C port. I don't know what the specifics are, but you know if you take this thought experiment to the next level, like they're controlling how the device is made. Like you guys said, how what else could they do? Could that stifle innovation? You know, maybe they say you have to have. Uh, volume buttons in the future, whatever it is, like could that stifle like a new innovation that we're not even thinking of things like that. It is kind of a slippery slope. Yeah. Agree. All right. Well, let's move on to some of these updates that Twitter is rolling out. Um, so the first one yeah. that kind of comes to mind is, you know, with this NFT craze, we've been seeing lots of accounts using their NFTs as their profile pictures, whether that's a crypto punk, 
uh, or the Board Ape Yacht Club, I think is one of the other projects that a lot of people use. There's all sorts of different ones now. Um, but I, I saw a tweet the other day that was basically asking Twitter to, if they could be able to verify ownership of the NFT. And that is such a huge deal mm-hmm. for anybody that owns an NFT or anybody that's been kind of a naysayer to NFTs. Uh, I saw somebody that said RIP to the people who say that you can right click save um, because this would effectively solve that, at least for profile pictures on Twitter, because they could integrate uh, with the blockchain, make sure that um, whoever whoever's profile is displaying that profile picture actually owns that in their wallet. Um, so that's the first one. Mm-hmm. Nate, do you want to go over the second one real quick for us? Um, yeah, so also potentially doing Bitcoin tipping. Um, so some creators are in a beta on Twitter right now for what's called tip jar, where you can just send them some money. Um, I think it goes through um, Cash App and Square right now mm-hmm. because of uh, PayPal, you know, obviously Venmo. <clears throat> well, so this, yeah, is that is that currently or is that for the new Bitcoin? tipping the, the beta. either way there's yeah. no they're beta they're beta right now it came out in may for tip jar oh okay uh, allows for th- several payment platforms interesting i thought they were keeping it in their walled garden with just cash app but that's good then if there's other places no he wouldn't be but basically it allows the government would step in and be like no that's that's illegal that's yeah. antitrust right there i think there's a lot of examples of companies supporting each other in that kind of closed garden way but regardless <laughs> Um, I think we're getting some feedback now. Um, so some creators are in this beta where you can pay them for just tweeting. Like it's completely optional. You just go to their page and pay them. They're trying to integrate Bitcoin into this. And that could either work by linking a wallet or by maybe even starting like a native Twitter wallet, but they're, they're still experimenting, but basically just paying for content via Bitcoin on the platform, yeah. which is really interesting. It's interesting how deep Jack Dorsey is going into all of this and trying to push it forward. I'd be really interested to see how the rest of Twitter, the company feels. I don't know if this is a very top down thing or if this was a company decision. Um, yeah. But it's interesting that, you know, they're now really pushing towards this uh, very quickly uh, because I think some of it makes sense, but I think, you know, it's just still uh, super early on a lot of this stuff. Uh, and this is really just them throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks. Um, really, the amount of updates they've done recently is is pretty uh, pretty cool. Uh, you know, they haven't really done anything the past you know ten years. You know, it's always just been the feed. They've really done a very poor job historically of creating uh, intriguing monetization uh, patterns yeah. and ways to make money and ways to you know change the experience. And now they're doing that. It's just weird that you know it's it's through you know, crypto and through the uh, NFT and the blockchain, uh, which, you know, maybe he's ahead of his time. We don't know yet. Uh, it's too early to tell. Um, but uh, they're going to be integrating with the product called Strike. And so they're not necessarily, Twitter's not going to have their own wallet. They're going to be integrating with other wallets and payment platforms like Strike, which are built on top of the uh, Lightning Network. Uh, so Bitcoin itself is very poor technology when it comes to transactions uh, because it takes so much energy and it takes so much time. Uh, but on top of the Bitcoin network, there is the Lightning Network, which is the second transactional layer built on top of it. And there's being there's platforms being built into that Lightning Network, and that's what Twitter will integrate with to make this possible. Um, and I watched uh, on Bloomberg News last night the founder of of Strike, Jack Baller, um, uh, was speaking about this, and he's really excited. Uh, but of course, you know, all those guys are going to be pumping it up 
uh, and that's what's going on. So we'll see if it sticks. You know, tipping the tipping jar still has to be proven without Bitcoin. You know, the tipping jar hasn't even uh, scratched the surface in, in regular money. Yeah, uh, through PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App. And so it'd be interesting to see if mm-hmm. you know Bitcoin you know overtakes that. And I think it is Jack's responsibility uh, to reveal the numbers of how active are people with Bitcoin because. You know, El Salvador is this is this uh, you know test going on in a whole country where they you know put the the currency as uh, legal tender, uh, but there's no numbers coming out on you know how many people are adopting it, what's the transaction volume. You know, I think it's going to be Jack's responsibility to make that very transparent so the rest of the world can see if Bitcoin is you know feasible uh, on this scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. not to go off on a tangent here, but I actually when I woke up this morning, I saw some news that China is trying to or China's central bank has essentially said that transacting in Bitcoin is illegal in China. So, uh, oh, great. I, yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to kind of dive into that and see all the intricacies of that, but that was like one of the first things that I saw on my phone this morning, uh, when Bitcoin that popped down up 5% yeah. just got the alert. Well, there you go. So I'm sure that's probably, that's why it's probably tied into it. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think just back to like tip jars and people, you know, giving some, giving some money, giving a tip to their favorite content creators. I'm long on that. I think that's super cool. I think that's a way to be a super fan of uh, content creators that you really enjoy. You know, especially as like with Twitter, for example, news is almost becoming decentralized as, you know, you move away from watching a Fox News or CNN and rather you're just scrolling through your Twitter feed and you have those really trusted accounts that are kind of tweeting in real time as things are happening or educating you on a a subject that you're really into. Um, I'm long on that, on being able to tip people that you think are creating good content. Um, and just in terms of like Twitter and their features and what they're doing right now, I've actually become like intentionally switched more of my time from Instagram to Twitter, uh, just because I like more the style of, of what Twitter's doing when it comes to like education and how you can kind of curate your feed and actually make it a positive social media experience. I know I've, I went on a whole tweet thread about that and Evan's been doing that for a while too. And I know Nate does it also. Um, so I'm really, I like Twitter more than I like any of the other social medias at this point. I'm excited to see them implementing some new and new and exciting yeah. features into the platform. I think, uh, you know, Twitter, I, I was talking earlier about how long it took them to like innovate. Mm-hmm. I think that was, you know, a problem yeah. for them, but at the same time, I think it's been a strength of theirs because when people think about Twitter, like they know what they're getting. Like when you think right. of Instagram, yeah. like it's changed over the last three years, the whole experience has changed completely in the last five years. Nobody mm-hmm. posts on the feed anymore. It's all stories. Everything on the feed is people you don't know anymore. And so, you know, you're kind of getting thrown around by Facebook, but here's Twitter kind of, uh, you know, sticking true to what they're good at. And just now they're starting to kind of change the experience, but it's not, yeah. you know, in a drastic way. It's, it's enough that it's not bothering mm-hmm. anybody yet, uh, but at least they're showing signs that they're willing to change. Yeah, and they could have learned from Facebook's mistakes. But with with the tip jar, I agree. I'm really long on that in general. I'm not sure if Bitcoin makes sense as of now. If you listen to like, you know, big Bitcoin maximalists and like people like Anthony Pompliano and stuff like they always say, yeah, I think we'll be able to transact with Bitcoin, but I'm not doing it right now. You know, they believe in the long term value of Bitcoin and they don't want to give it up for something they think is going to be because it's going to be worth a lot more in the future. Mm-hmm. So would you just be throwing $5 around of Bitcoin here and there if you truly believe it's going to be worth $100 at some point? Yeah, no, that's, $5. that's a great so, point. That's a great point because yeah. everybody's just hodl, hodl, hodl. I'm going to get it and hold on to it forever. Yeah. I'm never yeah. going to sell. 
oh, well, now you're just tipping some random dude on the internet with Bitcoin. Yeah. Look at you. Exactly. You know, the, here's the problem I've had with Bitcoin the entire time. The entire time is the narrative around Bitcoin has been absolute garbage. It's like they're not sticking to anything, <laughs> right? The whole community. It's like, I'm what do you mean by that? It. I'm long on it, but still. No, it's just that, you know, it's a currency one day, it's a store of value the next yeah. day. And now we're tipping people on Twitter with it. So is it a store of value? Uh, if it's going up and down, just drop 5%. Is it is it a long term investment if you're tipping it out now to some random dude on the internet? No. So it's just weird how this uh, narrative has no consistency at all throughout the entire lifetime of Bitcoin, and it's just weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just kind of confusing and it's frustrating for people that you know are looking and being skeptical. And so it's like, what do we have to be skeptical about? Uh, well, we have everything to be skeptical about. Good point. Good point for sure. Love that. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking more about Bitcoin here soon if uh, China has truly made it illegal. Uh, but to move on to this last topic, and that is that Apple is working on mental health modeling or monitoring uh, using iPhone data. So this is, I don't know, this is almost like a Black Mirror-esque feature that they're working on uh, using everything from your facial expressions to the way that you're texting to all this different data that Apple has immediate access to because everyone is on an iPhone. A lot of people have the smartwatches. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. You give a company access to data like that. It just, it just scares me. Yeah. So the thing is my, my thought about this is they already have that data. I mean, I'm sure your iPhone models, how you text and you know, how you switch between apps, things that you don't even think about that show patterns that you're probably a lot more similar than other people than you would think. Mm -hmm. But then if you start to deviate from that, you know, could that indicate some kind of mental health issue like this is trying to find? I know on Apple's campus, at least before the pandemic, they had like an Apple clinic for their employees mm. and they would plug into your all of your devices and pull a lot more data for its employees than it would for the general public. So my understanding is it, they're trying to start to expand programs like that through these just smaller tests still to start. But as long as the information's private, like I'll take whatever indicators there are for potential issues. Yeah, I'm a big. Uh, I trust Apple a lot uh, more than any other tech company. You know, what I mean, they carry yeah, them around in my pocket all day, every day. Um, you know, mm. they have done a great job with security to date. Uh, you know, I was disappointed that they're now you know you know scanning photos uh, in some capacity. Uh, it doesn't matter what it's for, you know, that's still a worry, you know, that's kind of going back on, we've already had a, a discussion on, you know, them scanning our photos for, uh, you know, the child abuse. I definitely don't want child abuse. All, all of us said this last time we talked about this, we don't want child abuse, but at the same time, you know, that's Apple going against a lot of what uh, in the past that they've kind of stuck by. Uh, but I still trust mm-hmm. Apple a lot. And I think there is a ton of potential for society to open up the data that Apple has and understand ourselves uh, in a very new uh, and important way, which is, you know, how do we interact with technology? Because in order to interact with technology, we've got to use an Apple device. Most, I have every way that I could possibly touch uh, the internet is through an Apple device right now. I've got a MacBook, I've got my iPhone, many people have Apple TVs. So it's like, it's, they have data that is very important for us to understand about ourselves. And if they do it right and they make sure it's private, like they always have, I think I would be for Apple knowing that about me. And the other key thing here is that it's not going to the cloud. None of that data is going to the cloud uh, for them to uh, get hacked or for them to analyze on uh, without our permission. It's staying local on the device. 
Um, and, and I would also like to see, this is going against what I just said, but I would like to see some kind of API so that other uh, developers and other people that uh, might want to create new experiences with this data can. It's just, again, you got to mm. figure out a way to keep that very secure because I've got a lot of ideas uh, around, you know, how to leverage that data for people uh, to get more control of their mental health and their, you know, digital health because mm -hmm. digital health is becoming uh, just as big as mental health and it's a leading indicator of mental health. And so like we create innovative ways to use that data. Um, I think as a society, um, we'll know more about ourselves and we'll be able to you know, protect ourselves better. So I'm, I'm for uh, this movement of Apple monitoring uh, mental health. Um, I think it's important. They're in the best position to do it than anybody. They have the best brand when it comes to trust. Mm -hmm. They have the most access to our personal lives. Um, again, I would just like to see uh, this continue to develop because you know digital health and mental health are uh, big problems and devices uh, and the internet and social media are the, are the biggest culprit to right now why mental health is so poor. Yeah. I mean, I think it's no yeah. secret that we are in a, a mental health essentially pandemic right now. Like depression is um, just a huge problem in our society. And a lot of that is driven uh, arguably by the way we use our our devices and our digital health. So uh, I, I agree with both of you guys. I think it would be great if Apple could do that and also maintain privacy and uh, store all of that data on device rather than on the cloud. Um it just, I've watched so many episodes of Black Mirror and, you know, mental health <laughs> is like such a personal thing. Um, it's becoming more, yeah. less stigmatized and I think more people are, are willing to talk about it. Um, but to be able to, for a company to be able to make assumptions and inferences on your mental health, uh, I think it's just, it's just a, a tricky, touchy subject. Um, but if anybody's going to do it, like Evan said, I trust Apple to do it. And like he said, they have access to the most data. And I think the only way that something like this does get done is if it's a company by Apple. Nobody else is going to be able to come in there uh, and and have access to the same amount of data um, that Apple is. Yep. So, yeah, we'll see how this develops. I think it's definitely intriguing. I think it's something that's definitely needed. So we'll see how it how it plays out. Uh, either of you guys got anything else you want to add on that before we wrap it up? No? Nope. Cool. All right. So this past week, we had an episode come out with uh, the founder and CEO of the company I actually work for which is Lead Rilla. We had Kobe Hastings come on. First time he came on was, geez, almost two full years ago. Um, so we had him come on for an update, explain a little bit about what's been going on at Lead Rilla over the past two years. We've gone from five employees when I joined uh, to now to 14 full-time employees plus a few part-time people. So that's out on the feeds. Be sure to check that out if you'd like to get an update on, uh, on Lead Rilla. This coming week, this coming Monday, we're going to release an episode with Christian Miller, who is a young up and coming venture capitalist working at Popular Ventures. So we got to do a deep dive with him about his path into venture capital. So if you're somebody young that's wondering uh, how you might actually break into venture capital, this is going to be a great episode for you to listen to. And Nate, what kind of weekend thoughts do we have coming out tomorrow? Yeah, so tomorrow, Weekend Thoughts, it's a good one. It's our uh, new team member, Lincoln Day, talking about his thoughts on cannabis in Kentucky and the economics of legalization. Uh, we're throwing so much content on that feed, though. Yesterday, we had Develop Lex come out. That's True. Evan and another team member, Weston, talking about, um, you know, it's a new series going through the biggest real estate developments in Lexington. And then this also will be on the feed. So listen to this today on the feed. Weekend Thoughts tomorrow, new episode Monday. 
lots of content to consume. Yep, we're getting we're getting deep into it. I'm happy about it. Throwing out some good <laughs> stuff. All right, guys. Well, everyone have a great uh, rest of your Friday. Have a great weekend. And we will see you next week. All right. See you guys. See y'all. See ya.